Welcome to the Seminole Wrap. This is an instant reaction podcast right after the North Carolina game. It's a little before midnight on Saturday. Uh, Florida State just upset with a big win over North Carolina, 31-28. It's Juan Montalvo here with John Marchant. That was a lot of fun. Uh, A little nerve-wracking for the second half. Uh, John, what are your immediate thoughts on just a huge win for Florida State as a program and a huge win for them, you know, in Mike Norvell's tenure? Uh, I mean, first of all, my mind is blown. I'm still trying to put it together. Um, it was absolutely unbelievable. I, it looked like a different team. It's It was 180 from where they were at Georgia Tech. More than that. I don't know how much more you could get than that. Uh, it was a totally different team. Um, I think this is huge for the program going forward. I don't think you can really understate it. I mean, obviously, they're going to struggle, you know, again, some down the stretch of the season, but it's unbelievable taking down a top five team uh, at home when you're unranked two score underdog is insane. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it's a game that is going to go down in Florida state history is as, as hopefully in a lot of ways, a turning point for Florida state as a program. Um, I mean, there are a few of these sort of wins in, in, uh, in Jimbo Fisher's first year, uh, the the Miami game was a major turning point for the program. It was obviously a Randy Shannon team that, that wasn't that good when they played them, but the, the they blew that team out. They blew that team out, and it was a turning point for that team. And they never seemed to look back. Obviously, four years later, going to a national championship game. It's way too early to talk about that. But I think, like you said, I mean, mentally, this is a huge monkey off their backs. I mean, they were they they really struggled to hold on to leads late in games. This felt in the second half like for a while like it was going to be, you know, thing, things close to your your uh, nether regions puckered towards the end of that game. <laughs> I know that I was the text I was getting, everyone was getting a little nervous. I mean, the first half was like a freaking party towards, toward, you know, towards space. Let's say about until about like five minutes left in the second quarter, um, you know, texting friends and all that sort of stuff. I mean the result was completely unexpected at that point. And I mean, once you get, you get to the first half, you're up 31, seven against a uh, number five, uh, North Carolina team. You got 10 yards of play. They've got 6.4. I mean, you're beating them, not just statistically or on the scoreboard, but just piece by piece, every part, every facet of the game, you're, you're superior to them. You get two blocked field goals in the first half. I'm sorry, a blocked field goal and a block punt. And, that I think you know, special teams again a huge component of a Mike Norvell win. Um, the second one of his Florida State career, but they've been that's been one of the biggest highlights of this game. What were the other big highlights for you? Uh, up front, I think up front on both sides they of the showed ball. Up. But, yeah, they did, especially both the defensive sides, yeah. line. Yeah, the defensive line just it looked like a totally different group. Um, absolutely unbelievable play from them. Marvin Wilson couldn't be blocked even late into the fourth quarter. Um, and then Jordan Travis, the kids, the kids, a warrior. I don't know how he does it. Uh, hopefully he's okay. I know he's even more banged up than when we talked last after the Notre Dame game. Uh, but it, it just his poise, everything about, I mean, look, he, he provided the spark that changed, that changed his whole program. Uh, his threat with his legs, he's getting even better with his arm. Uh, you, I don't know. It's just. I still my I'm, my brain is melted. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're obviously not huge soft factor guys. We like to talk about tangible things. But right. One thing, like you mentioned, I mean, Jordan Travis just brings 
it feels like a completely different mentality to the offense. And one thing that, you know, I brought up earlier when we were talking in like our Slack chat, it's like a baseball mentality. Um, you know, obviously not the same caliber of player, style of player, but Jameis Winston was one guy who brought a baseball mentality and and he was he's been asked about that before and Jameis has said in the past like, yeah, you know, you you, you I'm a pitcher, like you go out there, you throw a ball, you you're just worried about the next pitch. And that's the way that Jordan Travis seems to look at it. And even, and even after the game, um, the Molly McGrath from ESPN asked him, hey, um, you looked like you were hurt out there. How do you feel? He's like, I feel great we won. Like, he's not worried about, yeah. okay, himself. He's worried about, okay, let's move this team down the field. Let's move this program. He's he's just, you know, an electrifying presence for the team in so many ways. And I think there was so much of a mentality change that was needed and I think he helps provide that. I mean, especially, you know, obviously the defense struggled in the first first couple games. And, you know, until right. basically the first half of the Notre Dame game, they had a pretty rough game and then turned it around in the second half. Um, let's talk about the defense first. I mean, the defense tonight was shockingly good. I mean, to be frank, Sam Howell is one of the better quarterbacks in the ACC. You know, Trevor Lawrence notwithstanding, he's up there. Um, he didn't really get a lot of success tonight. I mean, relative to what you've seen of that kid before he's still got 10 yards of pass he's still through three or four touchdowns Mm -hmm. but the first half he struggled and you know he got hit that one time on the targeting call that ejected Corey Durden that seemed to shake him up it slowed him down for a little bit and you know Florida State was able to slow him down on defense what were the biggest positives for you on defense you know you mentioned the defensive line Uh, aside from them uh, well which that changes everything. But aside from them, what were the biggest things for you on defense? Yeah, well, because, right, because I think the defensive line was the key here. Um, but really, aside from them, I thought that the run fits were better overall, really. Emmett Rice, the safety's coming down with, with uh, Jay and Gann. Look, they missed a couple tackles, that happens, but it was just overall much better. I think uh, last I looked, uh, North Carolina ran it something like 45 times, and FSU held them to 4.1 yards per rush which is much better than it was uh, against Notre Dame last week. So there was a ton of improvement there Um, because North Carolina has great running backs. There's nothing, you know, and their offensive line was okay um, in the run game. So hats off to the defense there. You know, Emmett Rice looked like a totally different player. Um, So I was really impressed by that. Asante Samuel Jr. is still unbelievably good. Um, I thought Renardo Green also did well. In a couple, he didn't play as much. Um, but Gant, again, a young kid that they're getting in there. I think he played almost the whole game at safety, right up opposite Travis J. So I, yeah, we saw I a like, lot of Gant. We saw a lot of uh, Raymond Woody Jr. came in and had a pretty pretty solid night overall at safety. Uh, him, Travis J. There was a little bit less of Renardo Green compared to those two, but those the, the other the other guys seemed to rotate quite a bit. That was another I think one of the positives that you saw a lot of rotation on defense without a lot of drop off. Um, on on uh, the linebacker part of the ball, you know, you had uh, you didn't see Leonard Warner, um, which in my opinion is a positive. He's obviously been a good player for the program. Well, no, he hasn't. Um, he's he's been a good, <laughs> he's been a, he's good, been kid. a good Yeah, exactly. That's a better way to put it. He's been a good program guy for a long time. Um, but you saw uh, Stephen Dix really take take the, the 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 mantle from him. I mean. The two your two linebackers were Stephen Dix and Emmett Rice. Emmett Rice, going back to the second half of that Notre Dame game, has been really good. I mean, he was good tonight. He was a very good player for them, and I think that's something that 
that's, that's a positive going forward. I think you've got two linebackers you can count on. The back end of it is good. Um, let's switch over to the the defensive backs. Um, outside, you know, we talked about the safeties. Sante Samuel is a stud um, going to the cornerbacks, and there's no doubt about that. Uh, one downside of the game, you still don't have a lot of answers at the boundary corner position. Uh, you saw Akeem Dent there for probably 80% of the snaps. You saw a little bit of, of Miko Dotson there, um, but you really saw Dotson and and Jarvis Brownlee the third more in the nickel corner position. And I think they did a pretty good job. Um, they still don't have someone who can play that boundary corner position super effectively, but overall it was a very good showing from those guys. Right. I really like uh, Brownlee and nickel. They Fuller blitzed him a ton. I think you have to give Fuller credit for his game plan because it clearly worked. Between Marvin Wilson and the defensive line and then sending Brownlee off the edge, they just harassed him all night. Even when he escaped a sack, I mean, you could tell, you know, and, and I think uh, Exit and Olds Kevin guy pointed this out in our Slack group that uh, how is seeing ghosts? He was missing some throws he would normally make. Um, just overall, I didn't trust a lot of what he was seeing. The clock was going off his head, off in his head almost immediately. Um, so I really like putting Brownlee there at nickel. I thought that was that was pretty fun. Um, but so yeah, that, that boundary. Put, go ahead. But you think we're going to shelve the fire folder talks for a little bit? Uh, they should. I hope. I and mean, we've been pounding that ta- that that table for that for, for a while now. But I I always thought it was too premature. Um, of course. To your well, because to your point, this is something I thought was really interesting. Is they a lot of their success, like we talked about, they isolated that boundary corner, whether it was uh, um, Dent or Dotson. And then they isolated Dick sometimes in, in coverage. So that's a lot different, I thought, than what we've been seeing a lot so far this this season, where it's just busted stuff all over the place, right? The busted coverage, guys out of position. This game, they really had to scheme those guys and isolate them one-on-ones to take advantage and and pop some of those big plays that they had, just to even keep them, them in the game. So I thought that was a positive. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with pretty much everything you said. <laughs> um, I mean, those guys are definitely, you know, the, 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 all the defensive coordinators seem to go back to the boundary side. And that sort of leads us into not a negative part of the conversation, but, you know, one thing that was brought up uh, with some of the folks we were talking to during the game is, you know, how much of this win is fool's gold? I mean, obviously, you know, Florida State is not yet in a position to compete with real top five teams on a consistent basis. I don't think anyone's going to expect that, which is fine. Um, but, you know, I think mentally it was huge for them to get a win over a team like this. It was big for them to get a, a finish like this and to close out a game, uh, to not have some of those collapses that you had mentally. Uh, um, and I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on the the whole concept of this potentially being a fool's gold sort of win. Because there's definitely some for lack of a better way to put it, uh, and in honor of Florida Gators football coach Dan Mullen, uh, false positives <laughs> out there about this one. Right. Um, I mean, obviously, yeah, we got to, I think realistic expectations has to be the key there because obviously they're not going to, yeah, like you said, they're not going to go in and just knock off every top 10 team or or go, you know, punch for punch with Clemson in, in a couple of weeks. But I think this win matters. Uh, it matters a lot because even going back, you talked to when we had Willie Tagger, right? Uh, FSU had Willie Tagger as a head coach in the Boise State game. Get out to huge lead. It happened over and over and over again. We blow in the, the FSU would blow in the second half, right? So this win just, and look, yeah, I understand that North Carolina dropped three consecutive passes 
to end the game. Some guys, those guys were, were open. But a win's a win, and it matters. It counts. Um, so, yeah, don't – yeah, no one should go out there and expect that Florida State's just going to all of a sudden be a top-10 team. They're not back. I, I think that's premature. But yeah, this, so, for the culture, I thought was important. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, you know, even if there is some fool's gold and that this isn't a game that they would regularly win, so what? I mean, it's huge for the program in so many ways. I mean, it's huge for the program's momentum. It's something that you saw Luke Altmeyer, you saw um, Darius Mims, Terry and Arnold, several other top recruits talking about this game on Twitter. I mean, and guys that are uncommitted, guys that are committed, I mean, you know, obviously that's them watching one football game. It's not going to influence necessarily who who they're going to select come signing day on its own. But it's just a good evidence of program momentum, and you need that in recruiting because that's really what you need coming down down the road for this year. Uh, you you don't expect this to be – this is still a 2-3 and three football team. It's still not a team that's going to go compete with, with Clemson. They don't have the talent to do that. To get that talent, you've got to excel in recruiting. And I think that's something that this is going to help with. It's, look, we can do this. We can beat a big team, even if it's not necessarily a repeatable sort of thing that you're going to get every time. It's huge. I mean, you know, momentum-wise, and mentally, internally for the program, and externally for recruiting. You know, sure, there's some fool's gold. Florida State is not a top-five beating type team regularly. But, hey, guess what? That's going to help them on the road to success. Right. And you need a little now, bit of luck on the road to success. I mean, you're gonna you need a few drop balls here and there to get to to, to get down that road. Absolutely right. And and uh, you can sell that now on on the recruiting trail. Say, oh well, you know we have you right. You know we're just a player away or whatever to those kids saying we need you. You come in here and we can mm-hmm. we can take that next step and compete with these guys um, week in and week out. But absolutely, this this it's I don't know that it's you can really understate how big this was for the culture and moving, like you said, the momentum and moving the program forward. Um, it started with obviously Jordan Travis, who changed everything. And I had argued at the time that you needed to do that to show, to prove to recruits that you're building the future, right? And rebuilding this program. Um, but going back to Taggart, those Taggart teams, they, they had some good coaches like Kendall Bryles and, and guys like that, but they never really got any better during the season. And they, we saw over and over again them blow some of these second-half leads and to actually win it, no matter how they want it, so that these kids believe, like, you know, Norville has that process, right? Climb. Keep climbing every day. So to show them that this process is working and that you can actually get to a place where you want to be, I think, can't be understated, at least culturally speaking. Yeah, I mean, this is the fifth game of the year, and you ended up taking down number five, uh, North Carolina, who has Sam Howell, who has been discussed as a Heisman candidate. I don't know how realistic that is in in the Trevor Lawrence era. Um, But, you know, from the first game, losing to Georgia Tech, the changes and improvements you've seen on both sides of the ball, offense, defense, the the one consistently good thing has been special teams for sure. Uh, Kicking aside, we'll get to that in a little bit. but the one, cons- you know, you've seen consistent improvement on both sides of the ball. Florida State did 7.9 yards per play against a defense that isn't going to be confused as the best in the ACC, especially with Clemson around, but a pretty good defense and part of a top five team. So, I mean, the changes they've made in terms of a, you know, just program wide improvement 
on every piece of the ball from game one to game five. I think you can start to sell that immediately. Oh yeah. I, look, a healthy Travis, this team, like they, like they played tonight walks all over Georgia tech in week one. We just, they weren't, they weren't there yet. Uh, the transformation this team has gone, especially on the offensive side of the ball is unbelievable. Um, yes, and that's a good segue to the offensive side of the ball. Um, we we saw Jordan Travis have pretty much an excellent game in the first half. Uh, you you saw in the second half things bogged down. They they did not score in the second half. Um, obviously, they scored twenty four points in the first half. Uh, we can thank Sam Howell for a beautiful throw to Joshua Kando for seven points in that half. But the offensive side of the ball did a really nice job. Um, they did a really good job varying their blocking schemes. You saw, you know, on consistent on on different consistent uh, play to play, they would go from power to down blocking to gap or to zone blocking, and they were able to execute along the offensive line. And some of that obviously is helped by having Jordan Travis as a runner. It gives you an extra person in the backfield. What were your general thoughts on offense? Yeah, I think everything you said is exactly correct. I, they also, I thought, um, like Coach Adam pointed out, they made an amazing use of their different formations. They really messed up with the keys on on North Carolina's defense, just moving gaps around uh, and all the other, just those kinds of And then Norville did a lot of that at Memphis. But doing here in this game, they really, I think there was a couple of plays, right, where North Carolina's linebackers just had no idea what was going on. Um, so that was fantastic. I, I really thought their use of formations and like you said, the varying, the run blocking schemes. Um, and then again, Travis with the threat with his legs and then his, the still continued evolution of him passing the ball, uh, I thought was incredible. I look like that one play, right? Where he rolled out and then hit McDonald in the end zone. It's basically, it's a busted play. But he extends the play and then makes an accurate throw to a guy back kind of across his body for a touchdown is it was was amazing. I think one play that stands out and like you said, you know, what he's able to do extending plays with his legs and that changes the game. Um, one of the big plays that we talked about was the I think it was about a 40 yard 30, 30 to 40 yard pass to Preston Daniel. Um, they were, this was a drive that ended up going for three points. I believe, uh, they were on their own two in the, in the, towards the end of the first half. And Jordan Travis looked like he was running the ball and what looked to be like a quarterback power, if I recall. And then he threw it a little pop pass to, to Preston Daniel right up the middle. And we, we discussed in our slack check, whether, whether that it was, it was a read or not, but either way that the, the the linebacker was frozen because of those legs, and that makes a huge difference in the passing game. Oh, so moving on from, yeah. go ahead. No, sorry, go ahead. Uh, moving on from the passing game, uh, I mean his evolution in the passing game is huge because of what he's able to do for you in the rut game. Um, you know his his potential injury to his left arm, uh, whether that's a collarbone or a shoulder, what that whatever that is, it looks like he went down hard on his shoulder. Um, hopefully he comes back pretty, 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 uh, quickly without any serious injury. Um, obviously we discussed after the previous game, the Notre Dame game that he had a, a throwing injury or a, it was a thumb injury that ended up having on his throwing hand, but without this team, Jordan Travis will struggle. So, I mean, you really need him to come back. Yeah, I agree with that. And to that point, 
his injuries and stuff like that, it was also self-inflicted mistakes, especially on the offensive side. Uh, there's just way too many penalties. And then, like you had alluded to earlier, the the kicking game. So uh, Fitz, uh, Gerald, right? Misses. Yep, Ryan misses Fitzgerald, two kicks, he missed two. Um, which are killer. So even with all the mistakes, if he makes those two kicks, and they're not that difficult kicks, I think they were both, all, both of them were inside 40 yards. Uh, this game isn't that close. It's not that close, right? You win by multiple scores. Right. And on top of that, you have part of, you know, multiple score, score potential win is a couple self-inflicted penalties. Uh, you had the uh, personal foul on Dante Lucas. You had a false start on, uh, I believe it was Baby and Johnson in the in the red zone. Um, there are a few of those little, little still niggling uh, penalties that you get from the, for lack of a better way to put it, old mentality and just a little bit of a little bit of stuff that still needs to get cycled out of the program. Um, but they, they were really improved on that side of the ball. Aside from a few self-inflicted mistakes, they could have made this a walk away. I mean, you know, the, the, the fact that this was just a three point game at the end really belies how well they played on offense. Absolutely. And I thought the defense did, did more than enough to win this game. It was really the offense in the second half. Just even they moved the ball, like you said, in the third quarter, almost with ease. Uh, but you know, the mistakes started piling up and then Travis got hurt and it just really, I think Nor- Norvell kind of got a little conservative there trying to run the ball out and stuff. They got a little bit away from the regame and, and things like that. But, um, yeah, overall it was a fantastic win. They could have, like you said, easily walked away with a multi-score win and you could arguably should have, uh, hopefully a lot of that stuff gets, gets cleaned up. Um, uh, but there, you, no one could be upset with the direction this program is going currently. Definitely. And, you know, obviously not to not to focus much at all on the negatives, but a few concerns going forward are going to be that, you know, there were, they really didn't have an answer when North Carolina started attacking the boundary side of the ball. That's something we've talked about on the podcast, on the triple option, on four verticals, on every different, you know, thing we do on Tomahawk Nation. Uh, they don't really have a good answer, yet, uh, answer at the boundary side of the ball. Uh, what are some other concerns moving forward that you see for this team? Um, that's a good question. The receivers. I know Terry was out. Tamorian uh, Terry was out. He was hurt. Uh, but I didn't think the receivers were really that good. Uh, Warren Thompson was still disappointing. I, Helton, I mean, and Wilson. I mean, they make good plays after the catch. They're pretty electric with the ball in their hands. But there's still there's still some mistakes there that could have helped out uh, Travis a lot more than they did. I thought. Um, both in terms of route running and and some of the blocking they did. Um. Again, linebackers and coverage. But again, I mean, Stephen Dix is young. I think he's going to learn to be fine. Uh, but I don't know. Those are – and then maybe the depth on the on the defensive line. I'm just not sure. I, mean, I think some – Corey Durden out. Right. So those are right now, I think, my biggest concerns. What are yours? I think you pretty much nailed them. I mean, they're, the, the boundary side on the defense is a concern. Um the defensive line depth is still pretty good, and uh, as far as interior wise, um, you saw what happens when when Durden went down. You started to have to play a few other guys. You saw, saw some Malcolm Ray, Dennis Briggs, who actually came back tonight for the first time this year. Uh, defensive ends, there's not a lot of depth still. You saw Kando and 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 Janarius uh, Robinson play a lot of snaps. Those are guys that you know you want to be able to have some some backups to give them give them some blow, and you really didn't didn't have much of a chance to do that. And, you know, that's really a concern. I mean, you had at one point in the second half, Marvin Wilson 
with a pretty obvious flop to uh, <laughs> to slow down the game. Um, yeah. So he took the cue from the sideline on that, and that's not something I like. Unfortunately, it's become part of the game because you know offenses move so fast these days, and you see every team do it. Uh, I think it was Georgia Tech that we talked about the first first time this year that you know every time we that Florida State crossed the fifty you would see a Georgia Tech player go down. Um, you saw a couple of, of, of well-timed cramps from Florida State this week. Unfortunately, just like sort of, you know, diving in soccer, I think that's part of the game until they change the rules to fix that. I think you're going to see more and more of that. But anyway, I mean, I think that those really wrap up most of the concerns we had for Florida State. Um, it was a huge win for the program, uh, 38-20, or sorry, 31-28 against a top-five team. That's one that's going to go, you know, in, in the record books for Florida State is a big win, hopefully for the long term for turning around this Florida State program. Any final thoughts before we uh, wrap this up? Uh, I thought Joshua Kando also looked healthy, and that was fun. Yeah, he looked great, and he played probably 60, 70 snaps. I mean, you know, that's that was a big positive. He's able to give you a lot for this team. I, I love this coaching staff, and I'm really excited about the future of this program over the next uh, five or six years. Yeah, and we and for the first time we get to do a very fun, positive instant reaction podcast. So, John, I appreciate you joining me. I appreciate everyone listening, and that's a wrap.